Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him to receive a gift in return? For from him and through him and to him are all things and to him be the glory forever. Amen. May be seated. Well, a warm welcome to you all. It's so good to have you here at All Saints Church at the 9 a.m. service, which, um, I mean, I haven't been here very long, but I've, I've been told reliably that we haven't had this service in maybe a year and a half. So um, this is this is amazing. We're, we're, we're back, and um, this is a, I think this is a great slot, by the way. Uh, for This is perfect, actually. Um, but uh, today's passage, what, what I want to do is I want to use the, the, the gospel passage to really... Um, be, be an avenue into um, looking at, at love. Specifically, how, how do you and I um, love one another? Because what Jesus says in this gospel reading is actually, um, and I don't say this lightly, as, as a preacher I think we can often can maybe a little overinflate our, uh, our own sense of self-worth or, or, or uh, effectiveness maybe, but um, what Jesus says today genuinely um, has the potential um, to radically change your life, to, to, to radically change um, your life. And, and because the, mo- the most important things really in your life um, often are going to boil down to relationships, um, relationships with your spouse or getting a spouse, relationships with your kids, um, relationships with your, your boss, your, your, your parents, wh- whatever it is. Um, I mean, that really comes down to the nitty and gritty of life. Um, and what Jesus talks about today is um, so important for, for, for real love to, to exist. Uh, because what Jesus is talking about is um, what, what psychologists would um, refer to people who have an external locus of control or an internal locus of control. Uh, now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is um, people who see control over their life people who see the things happening in their life, either that they are um, kind of a, a passive agent in these external things going on, um, uh, or they, 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 their, their control is kind of internal, that, um, that they can go out in the world and say, like, well, I can, I can make a difference in the world, or I, can, I, can, I have some agency in the world, um, versus people who kind of, you know these people, and you know them because you're one of them, uh, whether you know it or not, but, um, and, and I'm one of them, where um, we fundamentally, we, we fundamentally operate in the world as um, people who uh, want to put all of the blame, or all of the credit, or maybe not the credit, but um, I am a victim of, of all of these other things. It's not that I do things um, that are wrong. Um, it's that um, things happen to me. I mean, have you ever met someone? Have you ever talked with someone who um, has, uh, after a while, you get the sense that um, it's amazing that there's nothing that is ever this person's fault. I mean, nothing. There's nothing in the in the history of the world could ever be laid at this person's feet. Or maybe um, you uh, are married to that person, um, or maybe you are that person in your marriage, um, where everything you you have a defense for everything, 
If your spouse comes to you and says, hey, when you said this, you think you immediately, your mind goes to about five different reasons why what you said was not really your fault. Um, when you did something that you think you immediately think of um, all of the things that you could use to kind of um, skirt the blame a little bit. To kind of to kind of deflect, to kind of say, "Hey, it's not. This is not totally my. I mean, yeah, okay, I'll admit to some things, um, but I'm not going to admit to too much, right?" Um, I, I had a friend uh, who was um, so critical of their spouse. I mean, it was you know when you were hanging around them, you're just like, "You've got." I mean, wow. Um, and um, but they would couch it in this. They, they, they would quickly own up to general things. Oh, I know I'm critical, or I know I'm, uh, but never specific. You know, they would never own up to anything they specifically did. Um, all the specifics uh, they they operated in specifics with their spouse and generalities with themselves. Right? You know, like oh, I know I'm this way, but they do this one thing. And it's like, okay, why? What, what's the one thing you do? No, 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 no. I already admitted that I'm generally like this, but I want you to see that they do this one thing um, or that five things. Um, Jesus is, is saying with this idea that it's not the things external to you that defile you, but what comes from within is what defiles a person. What he's really saying um, to a world that is, is consumed with blame, um, what he's really saying is that it's actually your fault. You, as an individual. The, the, the great trials and the great um, um, enemy of your life is not external to you. The, the, the pro- when you look at your life and you think all the things that you want out of life, all the, things that, all the places you want to be in life, um, that the antagonist in your story... The, the, the person that is kind of um, pushing back against you achieving that is never external to you. It's not to say that people don't have problems. It's not to say that there are, aren't things that happened to you that were terrible. It's not to say that things that were happened to you were unfair. It, it's not to say any of that, but it's saying the, the greatest enemy, um, the, the greatest antagonist is not external to yourself. It's actually you. It's actually what comes from within um, and we do not like that. Um, because what we want to do is we want to go through life being able to point out how um, ultimately I am the victim here. Ultimately, it is not my fault. We are um, Han Solo from Empire Strikes Back when he talks up the Millennium Falcon as the greatest ship that's ever, you know, and, and he's so um, uh, brash and, and braggadocious. And, and then when they have to do the one thing, they have to get away from the Empire and he gets into the Millennium Falcon, he's flipping all the switches and um, all the stuff. And then it starts, he puts the engine on and it, and it doesn't start. And then he runs through the ship and doesn't remember what he says. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. He keeps saying it over and over again. It's not my fault. Not that that's doing any good. It doesn't matter at this point, but he's so, he's so obsessed with making sure that it didn't affect his ego um, that he can't admit that maybe, maybe perhaps it was actually his fault. Um, and we come by this honestly. It's not like, you know, you are particularly bad in here. I mean, this is a long-standing human tradition of blaming every other person we can possibly find um, for any of the problems of the world. Um, going all the way back to our original parents, Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve are in the garden and God gives them um, the one rule, hey, do not eat from this one tree, um, and not even a chapter later, they're like, I think 
it would be a good idea for us to eat from this one tree. You know, the one thing that God told us not to do, I think that's what we should do. Um, and God comes to them and says, what is this you've done? I mean, go back and read Genesis 3. It's, it's amazing human psychology from thousands and thousands of years ago. God shows up and says, what is this you've done? And immediately he, he addresses Adam. He says, Adam, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And Adam immediately says, you know what? You're right. I did. And I own it. And it's no one else's fault. No, he doesn't say that. He says, he says, I might have eaten from the tree, but um, it was actually the woman you gave me. You know, like I was fine. You made Eve and gave her to me. And now look at what's going on. Um, um, he immediately shifts the blame. I ate from the tree, but it was really the woman that you gave me. So it was really a two persons at fault. One, her, and two, kind of you, God. I mean, if we're being, if, if, if you can just own up to your end of it, God. Um, and then God um, turns to Eve and says, did you eat from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And Eve immediately says, the serpent tricked me. You know, I, it's not my fault. Like, I just, I, he, he lied. I, I, I listened to the snake, which I thought would be a good idea. And, um, but both of us, both, both men and women, both Adam and Eve, both deflect all responsibility. It's not my fault. It is not my fault. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's your fault. Um, and we're no different. Uh, you, you and I constantly go through our lives looking for all kinds of people to blame. It's the liberals. It's the conservatives. It's my boss. It's my ex-boss. It's my, um, it's my wife. It's my husband. It's my child. Um, a friend of mine, uh, David Zoll, a friend of the parish, um, he once said that he had a friend who's a therapist, and the therapist told him one time um, that she would be out of a job, would be out of a job if parents could learn two, to say two words to their own kids. I'm sorry. The parents often are, are some of the worst culprits. That The idea that I would ever own up to my end of something with my kid is preposterous. Not going to happen. But what Jesus is saying is that um, in order that, that, that when you and I go through life um, constantly deflecting blame, that, that one of the things we're doing is we're, we're closing off any real connection that we can have towards people. That, that, that if you know that the marriage that is, that is um, built on two people who are constantly trying to blame them, the other person or anyone else, um, is not going to be a marriage that is thriving. Um, that, that real human connection, real human love, um, has to, um, to, to come through the, the avenue of people laying their own selves down. From people being able to say, um, my goal is not to prioritize myself and protect my own ego, protect myself. But, but really is to, is to um, bear witness to the truth, if it is my fault, um, but, but it's, it's to lay my own ego down in order to, to connect with you, to, to really love you. I mean, imagine, um, picture in your mind the marriage where both parties are, are um, trying to outdo one another in owning their end of things. 
to where when one person says something, the other person, instead of immediately saying, I, I've got you, I've got you, I knew you were going to say it, and you crossed the line and you said it, now I've got you, and I'm going to hold you, your feet to the fire. Um, instead, the, the, the marriage where, where when one party does that, the other party says, what, what did I do here? What did I do to, to kind of cause this reaction? And let me own up to my end. And, and what often happens is when one person owns up to their end, it, it creates a, a real connection for, for actual love. That, that, that really laying down our lives, laying down our own egos, is the, 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 the picture that the Bible gives us of love. It's why James refers to um, really fulfilling the law is not building up your own ego. It's not building up, doing all these things and doing all these um, great acts so that people could look at you and say, wow, what a great person. It's actually, um, real religion is really loving widows and orphans. And, and, and widows and orphans in that day were, were um, people, what, what he's saying is people who, who can give you nothing in return. And there's no, back in that society, there would have been no social kind of clout that you would have gotten from like Instagramming that you were helping widows and orphans and everyone like, wow, what a great guy. No, no one cared. Um, What what James is saying is real religion, if you want to have real religion, go love someone that will give you nothing in return for doing it. That's real religion. That that ultimately real love is to to lay down our lives for the other person. I'll say this and then I'll be done. I saw this this week um, with the stories coming out from this um, terrible um, atrocity that happened at the Kabul airport. Um, and one of the soldiers who, who one of the Marines who died, um, Dylan Marola, his brother posted on Twitter um, that after he found out that um, before the bomb went off, his brother was running back to get um, one more child try to get this, these, these kids to the airport, to safety. Um, and I was, I was reminded that, that um, what, what they did this week, and, and the reason why what they did this week was so moving to so many people, um, they knew the risk. They knew what was what might be asked of them, and yet for their fellow man, for 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 people that they would have never lived around here in America. I mean, for people in another country, in another place, um, went and tried to save them, tried to help them. It reminds me of a story about um, a Navy SEAL named Michael Mansour, and I'll end with this. Uh, Michael Mansour was a Navy SEAL in the in the war in Iraq. And on September 29th in 2006, um, uh, Michael was on top of, of a building with his other SEAL unit, and um, Na- Navy SEAL unit. And what happened during the course of the events of the day was um, eventually um, uh, where they were positioned, they had two men kind of looking out, and, and Michael was kind of in the back kind of protecting the, the area. And eventually an insurgent got within their perimeter and actually threw a grenade on top of the roof. And, and the way the roof was laid out and the way, where the grenade fell, um, in a split all this happened in a split second, but the only person who could have gotten out of there um, was, was Michael Mansour. Michael Mansour was actually right by the exit to the roof, and he could have, he could have gotten out. But if he had gotten out, his two SEAL buddies, um, who didn't see the grenade and, and would have had no kind of exit, um, uh, the blast would have hit them. And um, not within the span of one second, had the grenade dropped, that, that um, the people there that have retold the story heard Michael um, saying, grenade, grenade, and he jumped on the grenade immediately. The only person that could have gotten out jumped on the grenade 
Um, and the grenade went off and it killed him. And uh, Michael Mansour was given the, the Medal of Honor uh, for his actions that day. Um, but in that moment, the reason why those stories are so moving is because he did not see um, his purpose in life as preserving himself, preserving his own ego. Um, rather, he saw it as laying himself down for his brother, for his brothers. And that, that is actually what love looks like, is, is you and I going into to, to, to relationships and, and, and your, your work and, and your school or whatever it is, and um, seeing other people as, look, I, it's not my job to go through life um, making sure that I protect myself. I can actually go through life and even admit when I'm at fault because I can lay myself down. But the only way that you and I can do that, the only way that you and I can do that is if we understand that the beauty of our faith is not just a great example of how to do this, not just really great ideas about laying your life down or or, or loving others, but the beauty of our faith and the reason why you and I can actually admit that it really is our fault, that it's not anyone else to blame, is because the one person whom could ne- who could never say it was my fault, the, the one person who was totally sinless, came down from heaven not to be served, but to serve, and to lay his life down for you. The one person who um, was completely faultless was the one person who took all of the blame, all of the blame for you. Amen.